to Season 4 of the Richfield Branch Library Podcast. The Richfield Library Podcast is a conversational podcast between Kat, Christina, and myself, and we work at the Richfield Library in Richfield, Ohio. If you were to pull up a chair behind the work desk, these are the conversations you would hear about the books we are reading and what kind of reactions, such as inspiration or delight or sometimes frustration or bafflement over such books. We never bring the same things. We never read the same things. So you, we hope you are here for the discovery of something interesting for your next read. That is our goal, book discovery. So let's introduce ourselves. Um, you're listening to Jen. I'm the branch manager and teen librarian here at the Richfield Library. And i um, really looking forward to today's episode because it's random. It's whatever we thought to bring to the table. So that's what today's episode is. I'll pass the mic along. Hi, everyone. I'm Catherine. Please call me Kat. I am the adult services librarian here at Richfield, otherwise known as the new Mike, because <laughs> I replaced Mike, the previous librarian who retired um, in January. So I'm going to say that until at least 2023, because it sounds really fun. Um, I'm extremely excited to be here for season four, because I'm getting over what I call my pod fright. Um, <laughs> and this has been really fun because I do love to put books on hold as my poor colleagues have to check them in from delivery now. Um, but this has actually made me like really broaden some of the things I've been reading, which has been really fun to see what everyone else is reading and to really delve into it and analyze it. So I'm very happy to be here. And I'm Christina. I, let's see, I've been reading, I've been, I'm back in the textbooks <laughs> mostly. So, yeah, I, I was just telling Kat on desk, like, every fiction book that came across the desk that people were returning, I'm like, this looks fascinating, because it's just not a textbook. <laughs> Everything seems so amazing. Like, I just want to read fiction so bad. <laughs> so, yeah, that's where I'm at. <laughs> that's funny you say that, because I was just telling Kat, too, that I've been reading a lot of nonfiction, which is what I do, and then someone came up for your mystery book club. Um, the last thing he told me... Right. And um, I'm like, that's what I need right now. I need to cleanse my palate from the nonfiction and uh. I need to, to read some fiction. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, it's funny you, you say that. But I think we naturally read a lot of nonfiction. But anyway, what so did you bring a nonfiction today or did you actually bring a fiction book? I brought a memoir. Oh, you're watching. Walking the gray area. So, yes. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's, yeah, it is more narrative than a typical nonfiction, but it's not totally surreal and escapist, which is my natural bend. So I have been thinking lately. I, I kind of max out on nonfiction and then I, I go back. So I'm, I'm hitting my limit on, non, on no. nonfiction. So maybe that is why the memoir really appealed to me because it's like a bridge back. But I've been seeing this everywhere. It's crying in H Mart. Um, I listened to the audiobook, which is read by the author, Michelle Zahner, and uh, it was really, really good. It was it was hard some days, cause, so it's it's a, a book about a girl who's who's losing her mother, and she's early twenties, and she's you know on the one hand starting her life and trying to break free of her family and have her own separate identity, and at the same time you know, her mom's life is getting cut short. So it's it's really moving. It's really fun the way that she weaves it together. Um, she talks a lot about recipes and these different recipes that, you know, her mom's, her, her uh, father is white, but her mother is Korean. 
and first generation. And she talks about these, you know, crazy Korean recipes that her mom would make. And when she was growing up, she thought it was cool and then kind of thought it was like uncool because kids at school thought she was so weird when she'd have this in her lunch. And then um, by her early 20s, she's starting to get an appreciation for it. And that's when her mom could not keep making these things. So she kind of starts trying to learn to make these things to care for her mother. So it's super moving and it kind of makes you hungry because <laughs> this stuff sounds so good. And like a lot of the recipes she'll, like, she'll, she'll talk about and I would be like looking them up trying to figure out like, could I conceivably make this? Cause now I'm so hungry for this. Um, so that was a really, a great way to add some levity and also really kind of drive home that aspect of caring and especially that we usually associate with mothers of you know the the care that goes into these dishes with all these ingredients and all these steps and and thinking about like getting a new appreciation for that as an adult so it was it was interesting for the food and the culture it was really interesting to hear that that second generation perspective of like a weird culture clash within your own family of like, you know, your mom has a, such a different perspective of what it means to be here. And, you know, you're kind of resentful that you're different at all. Whereas in your, you know, to your mom, you're so you're, you made it like this was the goal. So it's, it's really interesting just to hear, you know, the tension of that kind of amplifying the natural tension around generational you know like everyone has weird things with their parents that are like you don't understand me so yeah when you add the greater cultural aspect to that that was really interesting to hear about but just she just tells it with such um it's like the perfect level of honesty it wasn't wallowing oh but it wasn't you know flinching from the uncomfortable parts um and then she, so she's dating uh, her boyfriend, and then they get engaged, and she's, well, I don't want to give it all away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but just kind of this, like, idea of, like, it, your, your, early, your 20s is such a weird time of defining yourself, and so you're, you're kind of ending one family and starting another. Yeah. And, and cool. yeah, and so she, she goes into that a lot, and so that's a really interesting juxtaposition also. Um, and also kind of trying to redefine your family in the wake of losing someone. That was something I really experienced with both of my grandmothers, just trying to keep the extended family together and not kind of understanding how much they were the glue until yes. they're gone. And so, you know, she talks a lot about her relationship with her father and having to, it's hard enough to have an adult relationship with a parent, but then when you're losing a parent too, it's like trying to find common ground with each other again is is such a challenge so it's really it's a moving book I mean certainly it's it's not cheerful but it's not nearly as much of a downer as it it really could have been it's it's hopeful and it really celebrates her mom and her relationship with her mom so it has a beautiful cover jacket yeah yeah it's a really fun so H Mart is like the grocery store that has the Korean ingredients and stuff so she talks about she just loved to go to the grocery store because it just reminded her of her mom so much and you know how it's it's painful but it's also home so I I had been wanting to read it for a while and then I just kept seeing it every it's one of those books that 
keeps trending. So I was like, all right, let's have at it. Good. So it was really good. I was really, really happy I I went for it. I'm adding that to my list. Yeah, it's <laughs> good. good. It's nice and short. Seven hours as an audiobook. So it will never get below <laughs> 400 books. <laughs> I must stop. Well, I picked up um, The Third Teacher, 79 Ways You Can Use Design to Transform Teaching and Learning. It came out in 2010. It was a collaborative project between Canon Design and VS Furniture and Bruce Mao Design. Uh, The reason why I picked it up is someone who um, really takes care of my daughter. Um, She's in school. She is putting herself through school, paying her way through school. Mm. And this September, she was supposed to start her student teaching. And at the last minute, I can't say at the last minute, in July, she decided, I don't think this is for me. I don't think this is Mm. what I want to do right now. This is Mm. not where I want to be. And I was going to buy this book for her as a, you can do it. You can make it through student teaching because student teaching is awful. I mean, all you want to do is kick the teacher out of the room and say, give me my own classroom. (laughs) I mean, everyone (laughs) says that, that. but you're still, you're, you still have the training wheels on and it's awkward because part of me because you still have you you have your creativity right and you're ready to go and yet you're still I guess under the leash and still being taught so but anyway so I was going to give this to her and it's a book that I come back to all the time simply because um, I used a lot of the insight and everything from this book to think about how I think about the library because I feel like we're a learning environment, we're a teaching environment, where the te- the space could be used as a teacher. So that's what it's saying. The third teacher is the space. It's the environment. Um, and, you know, it was talking about, do you realize in 2010 that the kids entering kindergarten, um, they'll be in the third decade of the 21st century. And what does that look like? Oh, like wow. that boggles my mind. Because yes, because my yeah my my youngest will graduate in 26, 2026. Ah. So just think about all the changes, all the opportunities, all the problems, all the possibilities, and you know it says how we teach them and how we approach their their ability to handle these challenges will depend on and create with creativity will depend on the settings that they're in. Mm-hmm. and how we guide them. And it, it, the education system needs to be much, much different than it is now. And I thought that's so interesting as we still push for testing, testing, testing. This book is saying, get away, get away, <laughs> yeah. get away. And, you know, really be creative with your environment. So, and I love some of the quotes in here. The true purpose of education is to make minds, not careers. Hmm. And education must shift from... in instruction to discovery to probing and exploration and it was just talking about like we need art we need music we need all these creative exploratory and discovery opportunities for for um for students to really find out who they are what they are and what they can do and i really i I give kudos to the the new principal at our high school that we have because I sat there at, at freshman orientation, and he says, listen, the, 
the goal, we need to change our mindset. The goal isn't for you to sit here and say, I want my kid to take every AP class. And what's after AP class? And can my, can my kid get a six point? It's like, stop. <laughs> six stop. point? <laughs> There's plenty of time. He's like, but will you have time to take music with a very talented instructor? instructor? Will you have time to take art? And, and some of the classes, I'm not just saying art. I'm talking about animation right, or oh, fashion yeah. design or, I mean, really diving deep into really specific subjects, um, kind of like music engineering. They just have these really cool classes now. And then he's, in, he's really encouraging um, vocational school and, and go to vocational yeah. school and learn a skill, learn a talent. There's plenty of time for you to decide. And I'm like, I love, you're, you're fabulous. Thank you for giving us permission to do this. Yeah. And, and, you know, and then there's a parent, well, my, you know, is there anything beyond AP economics, blah, blah, blah. Or uh, he's, he's like, did you not hear? He's like, stop. And, and, you know, so I really, I really appreciate his message and he's right. And all about, you know, just go find out who you are. Go find out what you want to do. Go find out what interests you. Do it now. Do it right, now before yeah. life gets in the way. And so this book talks a lot about, you know, um, meshing all the disciplines together, um, really having, I, I don't mean to sound like an open school concept, but place like labs, having labs where you bring all this together, where they could just create and discover. And I'm like, yes, I just, you know, again, I just love this stuff. So there is a website that you can see what's still going on, because like I said, this is 2010. And you can go to the thirdteacher.com and, and explore what's, what's new. But one of the articles I found on the third teacher has to do with a school in Iowa called the Waukee Innovation and Learning Center. And it's a high school that combines high school and the business community needed space, too. So they somehow built this space. Hmm. And so they could have this aspiring professional experience program. And the students partner with local companies across finance, engineering, technology, health, bioscience, um, agriculture, and they work alongside business people to solve problems. And the principal said this program will change annually, requiring the building that houses it to have the ability to morph with the student and with the school and like just with the changes. I'm like, that is so awesome to me. Uh, and, and the design firm said the superintendent at the time made the statement that if you designed a school, you failed. We don't want a school. We want something different. We want something new. We want a learning environment, but it had to be um, reflect the future and type of learning and curriculum that is really evolving today. And I love that. So I'm going to give one more shout out to Mary. She's in charge of our special collections department. And she's in charge of our um, 150th anniversary for Akron Summit County, oh. the main library. And I remember she said, what can we do today to ensure that we celebrate another 150 years? Like, what do we do today? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I didn't find I didn't find that depressing. I found that inspiring and fascinating and exciting. I'm like, yes, 
what can we do today to make sure 150 years ago and from now we're celebrating our 300th yeah. <laughs> anniversary and what will that look like and what do we have to do to still be relevant? Yeah. So that excited me. So hmm. anyway, just talked about the spaces and the, the labs. That's so funny because I was just thinking today about um, take your daughter to work day. Because <laughs> oh. I never, I never got to to do it much growing up because my parents were self-employed so every day was <laughs> your daughters were at work and we were like part of brainstorming sessions and stuff I mean it, it, looking back it was actually a really great experience but I just remember really ad- being jealous of the kids that you know like in those days at school it was like all the particularly affluent kids like really <laughs> got to get out of school and go hang out at the office with their parents and like what would that be like to have a parent with an office job but the one year I got to go my aunt worked for the IRS for 30 years she it's like she's such a whimsical fun person it's so hilarious I don't picture her had an entire career at the IRS and I I just remember she had like she kept pulling she got all these oversized versions of her office supplies and she kept pulling because like they'd have the kids go around to each of the different jobs so there's like 15 of us and we're like going around so her presentation was so much fun because she like she's like let me find my glasses and she put on her giant oversized glasses and turn around and all the kids are laughing and then she like passed out like she found these giant paper clips at like foot, but like Nerf football sized oh my paper God. clips, and I I still have that. I came oh. across it the other day, so I was just thinking about how much fun I had at Take Your Daughter Work Day. But all of that to say, it you know it really is so important that we are showing kids what the possibilities are, and you you don't realize how much you're shaped by your very limited experience growing up. And yeah, it's so good to like get out in the community and see what these jobs really look like and see what this this kind of thing because you just you know you your dreams are as big as the things that are presented to you right well that's what I love about this is the first time I heard you you hit it right on the head there's a section chapter four is all about community connections and it's all about the school being connected cool yeah I was thinking I would have loved to go to other kids (laughs) parents workplaces and just see what that's like and it's just respect, respecting the culture, too. I just, oh, it's just such a beautiful book, and I don't know. So I thank the teachers out there for everything that they do. On that inspiring note, I have really not anything at that level to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> it's random topics. It's random topics. So I don't know if all of you remember this from the previous season, but I am kind of obsessed with what I'm going to be like when I'm old. And I have many people that I would like to be when I'm old, but obviously I would probably not be as cute as they are. One of them is Geraldine McEwen's version of Miss Marple. I just don't know how to knit yet. And I think I mentioned previously that I bought really amazing, like antique looking wooden knitting needles. And I had this ball of thread and it sat there for four years. (laughs) It was very aspirational. Um, And I finally gave it to my friend who actually can knit. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll just be Miss Marple with the mystery solving and the damson gin or whatever she calls it. I believe it's called, I believe it's her damson gin that she makes. Um, So at any rate, on that note, I finally caved and I read The Thursday Murder Club by Richard Osman. And it sucked me in it's like my ideal world. 
you're living in Cooper's, is it Cooper, Cooper's Rush or Cooper's Chase? I think that, yes, Cooper's Chase. Obviously, I added the rushing bit in because I rushed through the book. Heh <laughs> <Just a> little, <laughs> little literary joke there. Anyways, this is like my ideal of being old because the book is about this group of people who live in a retirement community. And I'm sure I have previously mentioned that I am kind of in love with my wonderful 96-year-old crazy grandmother. So like this really hit every every note of aspirational elderliness for me. Aspirational <laughs> elderliness. <laughs> um, so the Thursday Murder Club is this group of, of really cool, like, eclectic people um, who probably would not have been perhaps friends if they didn't all live in this community because they all have very different um, former professions and such. But they all come together and they solve end up solving a real life murder mystery in the first book and I won't say much more about it because I don't want to ruin it but I read that one and now I am holding in my hands right now The Man Who Died Twice A Thursday Murder Club Mystery by Richard Osman that's my movie trailer voice um, so this is the second one in the series and I was really upset with myself because I am a librarian and I'm sitting at home and it's two o'clock in the morning and I'm just like oh my gosh a Thursday murder club I want to be these people also it's almost over I'm so upset and I was like whatever I'll go to work tomorrow I'll get the sequel and then I came here and someone had checked it out how dare they what are we a library didn't they know it was mine so I had to wait Don't you hate that I know it was very upsetting <laughs> like, the amount of upset that I was I knew was irrational but yet I still indulged it. So I like angrily got on Sierra and was like, rah, 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 rah. Oh, look, it's on the shelf at another library. And so thank you, Portage Lakes, for sending it so quickly. I love you. Little shout out. Aw. So anyway, this next one is, and like I'm not going to say very much because I really don't want to ruin it because this is number two in the series. But the reason I love this so much is because it's, I do love Marple and, and Agatha Christie does do in the later Marple books, a really good job of engaging, you know, Marple's mobility issues as she ages and things like that, and that she gets she gets tired, she's more vulnerable. But I really love this book because in the middle of all of the mysteries, um, for example, one of the characters, her husband has dementia, and she is not ready to really fully, she's hiding it from their friends, and um, she's not really willing to fully admit that. Um, and then there's other things that are that Osmond talks about, like, the mobility of um, certain characters, like, the loss of their partners, um, how they are trying to solve this mystery but are limited physically. Like, one of them wants to dig something up and then realizes that physically they cannot dig this thing up because they're in, like, their late 70s. They aren't strong enough anymore. And so I I feel that that it's... um, And I think that's why I like it. It's, like, Auntie Poldy in that way. It's, like, it is realistic in that vibrancy in life continue when you age as my grandmother would be the first to tell you (laughs) she is still here rocking and walking people um but we i think sadly do tend to underestimate people as they age because Mm -hmm. i think that there is kind of like this idolization of youth and i think maybe because i spent so much time with my grandmother i've never had that i've always wanted like, I remember going to see her because she lives in a retirement community. I remember going to see her, and this is either wonderful or sad. And I would walk in her room, and I'd be like, oh, my gosh, my Grammy Graham is retired. This means that she can sit in a chair all day if she wants to and read books. And I was like, this is the life yeah. I want. <laughs> so this book, like I said, is just a soul book series, I should say. I really recommend it because I, I think it's realistic, hilarious, witty, warm, real life with you know, the murder, which I hope doesn't happen to all of us when we end up in a retirement community. Um, it's just like a beautiful sort of song about life, I suppose. I mean, I just I just really love the, the reality of it and how that's incorporated into the book. And so um, Richard Osman, the Thursday Murder Club series, there's a third one coming out this fall. 
So pick it up if you haven't, because you will laugh out loud as well. Um, but also, I just think it's a, a pretty beautiful testament to what I really think also is perhaps an unsung part of literature, you know, because we do have the idolization of youth. Like, it's just really cool. Like, we're all going to age, and that doesn't mean your life is over till it's over. Um, and so, yeah, I really highly recommend it. On the other side, <clears throat> these sort of tie together because you know, death. Um, this one is <laughs> The Dead Romantics by Ashley Poston. And it's, um, I believe it's her first book. This one, um, so I'm going through this romance kick. Ha, huh, it's so delightful. Because for a while I was not feeling romantic. I was like, nonfiction is where it's at. Who needs love? I mean, all of us, obviously, but that's not the point. <laughs> I think I got kind of burnt out on romance because I went on a big like romance obsessive, way too much romance reading. And so now I'm back to it. But in my normal way, this isn't like normal romance novels, which I do love. This one is called, as I said, The Dead Romantics. And it's not like The Dead Romantics, like we're dead romantic. Do people still say that as like a colloquialism? Like they're dead set on something or something? No, this is, this is literally Dead Romantics because the girl is the daughter of a funeral home director and she sees dead people. <laughs> and then her editor dies and she starts seeing her editor and she's late writing this book that she's writing and also her dad dies, so she's like back in the funeral home. But it's romantic. <laughs> like it's really romantic and it has a great cover. So anyways, her name is Florence Day and she's a ghostwriter for apparently this incredibly famous romance novelist and she has had this like horrendous breakup. And so she's like, love is over. Love is, oh wait, love is dead. There we go, tie into the title. Hm. Look what I did there. And so she's trying to finish this book, but she's like, I don't believe in love. And this is a romance book. Like, what crap is this? So she has a new editor. And she meets the editor. And then she has to go back to the funeral home because her father has passed away. And then she, like, opens the door and there's her editor. But her editor, it's his ghost. It's not him. He's dead. And it's like, how did this happen? So she has these, like, incredibly funny interactions with him. And they're trying to figure out, like, why is he still here? Why is he? I'm not, I'm asking that to ask that. I'm not going to tell you because then why would you read it? <laughs> but it's also, you know, her coming to terms with things. Um, and my favorite thing about it and what really reeled me into reading it is not only the cover, which is cool, but at the top of the summary, it literally says, romance is dead, but this isn't what she had in mind. <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay, I like you. I will read you. I really am enjoying it so far. It's very, very funny and, um, accessible the way that it's written and I think actually quite realistic I mean not the seeing dead people part well maybe that is realistic and we all hide it from each other uh, I don't know um, but anyways I am excited about it and it's there's sort of been this neat renaissance I think of, of romance where there's been like Emily Henry coming out with Beach Read and people you meet on vacation and book lovers and it's they're really great romance novels but they also are they have this kind of complexity to them about analyzing modern life but and also in a very funny dynamic way um instead of kind of making them a bubble like away from the world they'll pull in things that are happening like financial crises or job loss or family members dying or covid like so it's like the world it's almost like the world is starting to come into the but it's enhancing the genre although i have noticed that a lot of the covers are kind of orange i'm not sure what's up with that <laughs> it seems oh, to be we a should thing. do a theme on um the 2022 book jacket design trends yes. and then 2023 yeah that would be a cool instagram yep. post Vote i can't believe i can't remember what website does it but they collect all the design 
jacket, book jacket trends. But getting back to how is it that our theme today was random and the two of you picked up books on like death, dying. It's because we share a microphone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're on the same wavelength. Yeah, because I'm on the opposite end here, and I'm like, I didn't get that memo that our random topic today was. Oh, my gosh. Jen is all about progress, like the third teacher, continual learning and inspiration. And we're like, yeah, death <laughs> is not the end. What? It, ooh, it's the quote from the mummy. Death is only the big. Oh, gosh, it's got morbid. This is sad. No, this is bad. Okay. These are very cheerful, wonderful books. You should read them. They're dead romantic. I wish that I could show you Christina's facial expression right now because it's very much judging me. I'm going to give her the <laughs> microphone back. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was trying to think of, yeah, how did I get on memoir about I think that's funny. Death. There's a saying for that. What, oh, I just read it to where no thought is like singular. What is that where like you could have a thought about, let's say, solving X and halfway around the world someone else has a similar thought of solving X and someone else yes. has, and it's like, you never talk to each other. I just read, Oh, I just read this, but anyway, Oh, it wasn't big magic. Is it the Ann patch? Is it Ann Patchett story from big magic yeah, where Elizabeth Gilbert has this story that she's writing and she just cannot seem, I guess she starts with something else. So there's some story with why she doesn't finish it. And then Ann Patchett was a state of wonder. I think she wrote State of Wonder. Yeah. And it was like, oh my, and Elizabeth Gilbert was like, oh my gosh, like we never That's spoke about story. this. That's my story. Yeah. And she's like, our idea is just out there. I, and it was home. so random. It was the Amazon jungle building a freeway, 1960s. Very specific details. Yeah. Very, yeah. like very specific. And at the time they did not know each other. Mm-hmm. Didn't share an editor or anything. Yeah. No drafts had ever been exchanged. Really creepy and fascinating. It, yeah. It was really, and they, and they, she had to put it away and this she one continued it and I think there was one slight variation like one was a romance and one was like murder mystery or something like that yeah and the the premise you know the jungle ate something about the rain season came they couldn't touch it when they came back the junk the jungle had eaten basically the freeway but to they I don't know it was just so there was like you said so many details were mm-hmm. just too specific but yet they never met or talked or anything. Yeah. Crazy. That's, oh yeah, that's right. Everyone read Big Magic, which I think I brought up last Mm -hmm. time. So let's all sit here and just for a moment, think very strongly about potential winning lottery numbers. Let's all pause. (laughs) Let's pull them out of the air. Okay, five minute pause. Everyone think. 27. (laughs) 13. Six. (laughs) Six. (laughs) Blue. Just throw a little monkey wrench in there. <laughs> yeah, actually, I was I started uh, crying in H Mart. I, I like to have like a print book going and an audio book going at the same time, but they have to be kind of different enough. But it, it's like I can I can do two books at one time if one is audio and one is print, and I I don't conflate them. And that's actually something we learned about in UX is like, you know, it's like a separate channel. Your brain handles it differently. So you, oh. it's, it's a good way to get information across actually is like, you know, if, if you have a lot of visual clutter, like add an auditory element, but then also with accessibility issues, being aware of like if everything's visual versus everything auditory. And if you're only getting information across one way, that's going to be a problem for people. So, and anyway, 
but this time I made a, a grave error in judgment. <laughs> I picked two memoirs at the same time, and so oh. I, I couldn't do it. I was conflating them. It was it was throwing me off. So I was also trying to read um, The Man Who Could Move Clouds. Um, and his, So that one's really fantastic. I, I will hopefully get back to that one soon, but I had to to put it away for a second because I was like, this is getting, because that one's very surreal and it's like um, a woman's family uh, is from South America and believes that they have like these powers, including her grandfather could move clouds with his mind. Um, And they get these powers after like traumatic head injuries. So she gets a traumatic head injury as she's living in America and and she tells her family, and they're all excited. Because <laughs> they're like, you have the powers now. So, I don't know. But it's, you know, it's another one of these stories of kind of like all of the... It's kind of like that movie Big Fish. Um, where you're kind of like reckoning with a family history that you always rejected. And somehow coming around as an adult to like accepting your family for who they are and not who you wish that they were. Um. But so that one leans more into the surrealism and kind of letting herself explore, okay, what if this crazy nonsense actually was not so crazy and maybe wasn't totally nonsense? And so, yeah, so it's fun, but it was like kind of too much all at once to read two different memoirs. (laughs) These truly are the conversations we have by the desk (laughs) because so we are living up to this is we are living up to what we promised this is like a conversation we would have at the desk. No false advertising at the library. No. Only facts. And some fiction, but it's on the shelves. <laughs> I think that does it for today. Right? What a fantastically focused. We really kept it succinct for you guys today. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's cool. It's so I these are my favorite episodes, the ones that we don't pick a theme where we're just really all talking about what and we're somehow reading. Yeah. It, themes emerge. There's a thread. Certainly yeah. themes emerge. And I do think that, yeah, part, partially must be because we're bumping into each other all day and <sighs> and we're having larger conversations. But some of it is also happenstance, I'm sure. Randomness. Yeah. Oh, cool. Super cool. But yeah, it's, it's, these are the best to me. Because you're not trying to, we're not forcing it, you know, we're not going like, this is the best example of this topic right right it's like no this is actually just what i was that there's i know somehow each season i get worse and worse of thinking like i have to come up with three or four books that totally like a survey of this whole topic which is like ridiculous that's so sorry listeners overachieving as always (laughs) i'm trying to dial it back (laughs) oh dialing back on that note do you want to yeah the Richfield Branch Library is a branch of the Akron Summit County Public Library. Our theme music is Examples by Ketza and is made available to us through a Creative Commons license on the free music archive. Thank you guys so much for listening.